for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we're back at it again with another amazing podcast. First of all, Caleb, I want to wish you a belated happy birthday. Oh, was, thank you so much. It was uh, Tuesday, correct? It was Monday, yes, Monday, sir. okay. I saw the date, the 7th, and I was like, wait a minute, I got to do math. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. I'm a cancer. Right. Yeah, awesome. But we have uh, Caleb Lovely. How's it going today, Caleb? Doing so well, man. A beautiful, bright, early, bushy-tailed morning. It's doing great. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're based out of Nashville. You're from you. You said you're from Houston, but you were born in West Virginia. You're you kind of moved around, but oh, right yeah. now you're you're in Mississippi. Right. Just just for these forty-eight hours, I'm in. I'm at the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, hotel and casino here in Biloxi, Mississippi. So that's where I'm at right this moment. Nice. Um, so what, what we usually like to do is, uh, take a step back and get to know the musician right off the, right off the bat. So love that. what, what's your origin story? What got you into music? Kind of just run through the gamut of what got you into music, man. You know, I think I've been writing songs for as long as I've been alive. You know, what got me into music the first time that I ever saw on TV it was Lenny Kravitz. He was playing a, uh, a Gibson Flying V, actually, guitar. And I want to say it was maybe right around the time Are You Gonna Go My Way came out. Heck, not to date me, but I mean, maybe 95, 96, mm-hmm. 97, when, they, um, when he came out with that, man, I saw him playing a Flying V on TV, and I thought, that is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But even before that, uh, you know, my mom and daddy were singers in the Air Force. They uh, they performed worldwide around this in this um, in this singing performing group called Tops and Blue, and I think it's still around. But my dad later on went to sing backup for Natalie Cole in the '80s, and my mom traveled the world singing and performing in a in a traveling uh, performing band. So like, I think it was just in my in my blood and in my roots, you know. I was even talking to my meme all uh, yesterday and just telling me about how every one generation back before me played the guitar or the trumpet or, or something. That, so it's no surprise that I am musical. But, you know, I, I started playing guitar when I was 12 and I just I was obsessed with it. You know, I think I begged my parents for three years for a guitar starting at around nine. We went to New Orleans to get some beignets and I saw this wonderful blues guitarist standing on the corner with this cheapo epiphone short scale he, it was called the peewee flying v and man he was ripping up chops like it's like i was seeing stevie ray vaughn in real time and so this is maybe like 96 97 i was probably not even five six years old and i just remember all of it was happening at the same time but i begged my parents for for three years after seeing that guy in new orleans and we would go to stores like media player sam goody you know that were selling records and I would always get records and my first, I was, people always ask who my influences were. And I was like, well, when I started doing music, I had 
I want to say I had four records that on CDs. They were my first four CDs. But my first cassette tape was Boys to Men too so like started off with thank you you know like i'll make love to you like on bended me oh my gosh so wore that out in my walkman but then when cds came along i had four i remember four records that i wore out and that was hansen middle of nowhere so mbop you know yeah uh lenny kravitz five britney spears her, her baby one more time record and goo goo dolls is dizzy up the girl so those are like my, I want to say my four that kind of embody who I am. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know it's it's maybe what I am. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you brought up Hanson though, because it's like back in the day, it was it, those were one of the groups that were like, no, those are that's what the the women like to listen to. And now I go back and listen to it. It's like, no, these dudes are actually like solid musicians. They, you know, they were like really good musicians that just happened to, make it off their soul musicianship and they got noticed or they got fame off of one song but yeah. to me like if you go through that in uh the first album of theirs that's probably not even their best song on that album like it's see i 100 100 and i mean i remember where's the love like that came out i think as well i'm not sure if that was the first single i, I can't remember it was so long ago but I jammed that song, but the whole record, man, man from Milwaukee, yep. like a bunch of it. Like, I mean, I just think I know that record front and back and it sounds amazing too. Sonically, like that's a record, you know, mm -hmm. and kudos to them for being so young and, and playing what they played and, and making the songs that they made. I just, it was absolutely a sound. And I, I think that's one of the records that will go down in history. as just one of the greatest, man. I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you got, or you just released a new, it's a single, correct? That you released on July 3rd? Yes, sir. With him tonight. Uh, so what was, when you went into to the studio to record that, what was kind of the process? Why'd you choose that song? What, you know? That's brilliant. So, so this is, uh, what's kind of cool about Nashville and in, in, in general, generally speaking, I, uh, I am artist and songwriter turned producer. So the last three years, you know, I've, I've been producing other artists' records in Nashville out of my, my own personal studio in Franklin, Tennessee. And so I, um, I used to tour for a, a country band, and so I would play with them on the weekends, but then during the week I'd be producing other artists' records. And so whatever I, I, I did during that week, you know, as in, as income, I turned it around and put it right back into the studio. So I was able to build this incredible studio with some really, really choice gear. And it's all pieces of, you know, hardware or preamps that I've used on previous records the last 10 years. Or like, you know, if I did a, a vocal on like a distressor, like for a compressor, I'd be like, oh man, you know, I want to get a distressor. And so I've kind of built this incredible studio where we track, you know, everything like drums, bass, guitars, uh, anything stringed, uh, you know, we're micing up cabs and upright pianos, cellos, whatever we need to, to do to, to get the sounds. And so I, I've been really lucky even in quarantine to just continue to make records and to continue to flesh out songs and record. And I have a, my best friend, Brett Killingsworth, it, play drums on with him tonight and he's actually my neighbor he lives maybe a half mile away so he came over one night and you know we were because we wanted to create and we just wanted to see what 
what we were going to get into. And I pulled up that session for the track that I had made maybe about a year and a half, two years ago. Because in Nashville, you, you write a lot of songs, or at least I, I write a lot of songs. I write a lot by myself, and I also schedule writes with people who I think I really vibe with. And we get together in a room, and you know, I kind of play uh, producer, uh, track builder, builder man. And so I'll back and we'll kind of write the song based around the track. And I'll never forget finishing up that track and thinking, man, this is really special. You know, but in my mind, I always envisioned it for someone else. I always thought, oh, someone else will cut the song. And it'll be great. And I was sifting through demos and kind of opening up sessions from a certain year. And I opened that up and I was like, Brett, do you dig this? I think this is a jam. You know, I think this is a thing. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, I think we should put live drums on it. I'm like, yeah, we should. So. We ended up putting on uh, live drums that evening and it just kind of took on its own living organism. If I look back, I can't even remember like how it became what it became, but we put live drums on it and everything fits so well. Like even with instrumentation that I already had made, it fits so well. I don't think I replaced anything. You know, I think Brett played the drums so well that I kept my original bass track from the demo. It lined up that well, like oh, wow. just uncanny. So that's a lesson in production. If you don't have time to do it right the first time, you definitely don't have time to do it right the second time. So yeah. click is so important and, you know, all the above. Yeah. So that was kind of my process with, with him tonight. And, you know, I think why it's so relevant to, um, to me and to, for other people, I think I wrote that song out of a place of discontent many years ago and um, kind of pulling from past experiences that I've had in relationships of when you know you know when when the phone is more distracting and you know you just wish that you could be with that person but then also wondering in the back of your head if there's someone out there that could really bring out the best in you or someone out there that could really show you what you're made of and i think that was the thing so even though the song is uh, with them tonight it's it's about seeing someone that that catches your eye out in public and, and seeing how you're treated you know from from my point of view and thinking that i could treat it i could treat you better you know, so I think it's just a lesson for for everyone to um to value themselves and to um know that you're not alone when you feel that way, and that there is someone out there that would love to show you what you made of. Awesome, awesome. And so that was released on July third. Uh, was there any concern about it not being able to release in July because of the whole COVID pandemic, or was it always nope? It's in the bag. Let's let's get it out. You know what? No, it was absolutely um, because if I'm being honest with you, I have a whole record ready to go, uh -huh. just just sitting and waiting. And so I think it was figuring out what what's going to be a great time to release. And, you know, this is the age old question that we're even hearing now, because I would say it's it's harder for me as an artist to think that what I'm doing is essential, especially in the world, in the current situation that it mm -hmm. is. But the more people I speak to, you know, whether they are musicians or artists or whether they're the consumer listener, whether they're the people that just love me and want to know what I'm doing, everyone is saying, man, it doesn't matter. Put it out. Release it. The world needs it right now more than ever. So I think um, this song is such a summer jam and so feel good and the vibes are just there. I absolutely wanted to release it before the 4th of July. And I just wanted to give people the opportunity to listen to it, you know whether that's one person or a million people. I just wanted to put great music into the world because everyone is, everyone's on, on the fence. You know, I'm not sure where to go or what to do. And mm -hmm. um, 
in a lot of in a lot of ways i'm i'm right there with them but what i do know is that we need music and i need music yeah and i just want to i just want to keep putting it out yeah absolutely and especially if you've already got it ready to roll like why would you hold on to it that doesn't make sense like yes sir well let's keep releasing it you know so you'd already kind of answered this question this single is leading to a full-length album you know what I would like it to be, we go back and forth, you know, everyone's like, ah, oh, the, the age of the record is dead. And, you know, I'm yeah. like, man, you know, that's cool, but I feel like I've been doing this thing forever. I, you know, I, I think it's all going to change. But regardless, what we are going to do is we're going to release a single a month for the rest of the year. I'm going to okay. come up with a Christmas EP, probably around October, November. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I think that puts us at three or four more singles of, uh, of original music until the rest of the year and then i think we're going to put out more um coming this coming year or we might just pause and take the songs we've already made and put it into an ep or heck we might might release it as a record i'm not sure there's just so many awesome songs that i yeah. just can't wait to get out yeah. just because i was having this conversation with a few different people and like the old strategy like because everybody's argument about doing the between do we do full lengths? Do we do EPs? Do we just do singles? It all plays into the Spotify algorithm because l- let's be real here. Spotify is is running things right now as far as, you know, views and what have you. So, Absolutely. Um, so I had a theory that, well, the, the old school adage of three singles and an album still very much applies in this day and age because, yes straight singles once a month off of Spotify will help. But if you do three singles and an album, whether that's an EP an LP, you know, however fast you can get the music out and make it good, you know, that's, that's on you, but the three singles and an EP works just as well as single, 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 single. You just have to be able to crank those EPs out. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm all about that. You know, I, I think, you know, you, you go back and forth, especially as an artist, you, you want people to as much time and energy as you devote into making the record. That's like, you, you kind of want it to get it selfishly. You want to get it back tenfold with the listener. And so I think that's the biggest thing with, uh, with just releasing. I've never been a big uh, fan of filler, you know, and there's a lot of songs for me, how I kind of judge it. I'm like, man, if, if they're not all, like with him tonight and what i mean by that is like i'm not saying all up tempo and like positive message i think if it's a ballad or if it's you know if it's about mommy and daddy and how they how they really uh drop the ball on how you were raised yeah whether it's about how how, whether it's about religion what what, or politics whatever you're whatever you're talking about it's like just how does it make you feel? How, 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 does, how does it make others feel? And if the answer is like, this makes me feel, then you need to put it out mm-hmm. and you need to do it. But um, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very particular and picky when it comes to what, what I think should, should be out. You know, I want them all to be bangers. And I don't mean radio bangers. I want them all to be undeniable. Yeah. Every song, like, listen, yeah, this is undeniable. Like, I love how that makes me feel because it makes me feel. Yeah. And so that's what happened. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You want every song on there to be, could be the number one sing or the first single off the record. And yeah, I, you, you know, and because I, I go back in the day, 
where I would listen to an album or well, we're not going to go all the way back to vinyl because it's like, I wasn't quite, I'm not quite that old. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you like listen to CDs or cassettes and they've got like what would be considered like the B side, you know, not quite as good filler, I filler music that you oh, yeah. brought up and it's like, okay, they're just filling out an album now, but now this day and age, it's like, no, we don't have to put out filler albums because we don't have to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, I think all of it's changed, you know, and not to say that they weren't bringing their best back in the day because I believe that they were, but, you know, in the, in the land of budgets and the land of, of like, okay, well, yeah, we need to get content. Let's kind of just see what happens in the studio as a band, you know, like those were wonderful glory days and a ton of magic came out of that. But yeah. I feel like now you have to be so clear and concise and focused on what you're doing because there's no room for error in, in time management or in uh, in anything, you know, whether you're renting out studios or mm-hmm. whether you have deadlines to meet, there's no error for that. You have to know exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it before you do it. And yeah. that's kind of exciting to me. You know, I, I love that. I love having plans. And as, as much as a musician I am and an artist, I, I do find myself as I'm getting older, loving plans and knowing what you know where we're going what we're doing instead of flying by the seat of my pants like i mostly do (laughs) yeah yeah you know and i i think kind of the thought or in my head the thought process is back in the day music was so label controlled like everything was ran by the label and it was like okay no you've only got four songs written we need 11 songs on this album let's let's just start figuring it out and putting whatever we can together. They just wanted those albums out. Whereas now, and like back then it just seems like a lot of the musicians were, they, they sounded good and they got heard and they didn't have much of a following. So like the record label built them up from the ground up back in the day. But now you're seeing a lot of these musicians that are building themselves up and they, the record label doesn't quite have as much control as they used to, even though they like to say they do, they really don't because like you or any musician that gets a record label, you've already got a huge following. Right. All they bring is like a little bit of financial support. Let, let's be honest. Yeah. I, I hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the key for even, even quote unquote building a following I'm not sure, and in, in obviously this is maybe an opinion, but I'm not sure how organic things are these days anymore. And I've uh-huh. seen that, you know, because I, I've always had a lot of people, you know, tell me to take the grassroots or the organic approach. And, you know, while that is a thing, I think that it's not always about talent or ability. I think a lot of people see that and like, oh, yeah, you know, that person or that thing is talented and that's that. But what always comes out of their mouth next is like, man, you know, they, they should really get a team to like help them figure out and like how to get the music to the masses. Because we as a society and as people, we're, there is so much going on all the time. Yeah. And I'm not even just saying that because I'm an artist, but like, you know, I, I look at my wife or I look at my family or the, the people in my life and there is just so much going on all the time. Not even they know what I'm doing or when I'm doing it or how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm a full believer that team is everything, you know, um, and luckily I have, I have one of the best in the biz, if not the best in the biz. Yes. So even with the, even with the single, like a few awesome things that have happened already, like 
uh, Australia Kicks Country, the largest country radio station in Australia, pre premiered with him tonight. And it's going in rotation on Monday. And that's just things that I personally could have never done. You know, I can't mm -hmm. go to to a radio station like that and be like, hey, look at me, look at my tall hair, don't care, look at my song, you should play it, you know, mm -hmm. it's really great. You know, because like, I, I count like wives and girlfriends count, like they don't count, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> because they love you as a, as a person, you know, it's yeah. not always subjective. So what's been great for me, by the way, my wife does count. She is, uh, she's as objective and as truthful as they come. And so I can always rely on her because if I'm, if I'm making something that it's kind of not good she'll absolutely tell me and so i've been i've been really lucky with that but yes the team is everything i think yeah. you have to have a team of people who are just going to be honest with you and believe in what you're doing see what you're doing and uh and 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 constantly telling you hey this is gonna work this is gonna this is a thing because i mean at the end of the day that's what keeps me going you know yeah. the people in my life and, and my team and in my corner that are like hey you know i love where you're going with this chase that rabbit go down that hole, see what happens. You know, that's when the magic happens all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you'd mentioned that you, before you really started pursuing your solo career, you were touring around as a, with uh, other musicians and other bands. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So when I moved to Nashville uh, from Texas, actually, I, I ended up because I needed money. I sold a lot of things. I sold a lot of guitars and amps that I kind of regret doing, but I can't be too upset about it. But I moved to town. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be a songwriter. Like, that's what I mostly love with, you know, doing the artist thing. I've done it, but it's just been like, I'm like, I, I want to write great songs. I want to develop my catalog. I want to play out writer's rounds and I want to do things. So I came here and I did that. And I want to say for the first year I did that, I wrote a lot of songs with a lot of people. And I never, you know, I, I made a record with a few friends, uh, colleagues that turned friends. And it was, a, it was really pop. It was really, really pop. And it was great. And I released a couple songs off of it, but um, the relationship kind of went, a, uh, got a little bit strange and we kind of fell off and went separate directions. And there was a time where I thought, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make music the way that I used to make, like even in that first year. And so my biggest hang up was, I don't know how, and I'm talking studio stuff. I'm talking, and this was three and a half years ago. It's like, because, you know, I remember when I was 18 and I bought a MacBook Pro and I had GarageBand and I was making demos and it was like the best thing ever. And I've always done that, but to really make a record, I've always relied on other people. I've relied on studios. I've relied on producers. Someone who, you know, understood gain staging, compression, EQ. You know, all of the above. And it's something that I was never really privy to. And my excuse was, I don't know how. And I feel like I've used that excuse for most of my life, even going back to being a child. It's like, well, well, why can't you change the oil in your car? Oh, well, I don't know how. Oh, why can't you torque down the the back wheel of your your motorcycle? Ah. Uh, well, I don't have the tools and I don't know how. It's like, well, get the tools and figure it out. There's YouTube, you know? Well, I don't like the color of this 1989 Ford truck. Uh, I don't know what to do about it. It's like, well, go buy a four-inch roller and a couple cans of Rust-Oleum and paint it in your backyard, you know? I did that. <laughs> so, so that being said is the I don't know how is not in my vocabulary anymore. Yeah. So 
I, I built a studio and um, I demoed all of the songs that I made, the, that I wrote the first year in Nashville. And I sent them all out to the people that I wrote them with. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, some were, some were good, some were not, but some people wrote back and they're like, hey, uh, this sounds great. Could you do a demo for me? I was like, yeah. And so then it became this like, you know, pay me 75 bucks or hundred bucks for a demo, 200 bucks. Hey, can you do my next single? Hey, can you do this? And so that's how that happened. But the one thing that I learned really on in Nashville is, is uh, talk a little less, smile a little more. That's from Hamilton, by the way. And then also always say yes. And when I say always, if, if there's, if the, if you come to the question and you say, I don't know how, then say yes, because you can figure it out. And so what, it, what is really awesome about my journey in Nashville is that I have, um, I have been asked to do a lot of things that I didn't know how to do. Mm-hmm. And whether that was playing on Broadway, there was this, uh, my, actually my first experience with, with Broadway was I had a guy who was doing a lot of pop music in town. And like, I'm talking like Bruno Mars, I'm talking Michael Jackson, uh, Charlie Puth, you know, I'm, I'm talking Bee Gees, Earth, Wind and Fire. And I was asked if I could play bass for that, for that residency gig every Friday night at six to 10. And without hesitation, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And I didn't have a bass. I, I didn't know how to actually be a bass player. You know, I'm a guitar player at heart. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I could, I could figure it out or thumb it out. But I'm talking like, you know, we're playing like high profile R&B pop jazz music, you know, that is, you know, P-Y-T and rock with you ain't, ain't no small thing, you know, or that's what I like by Bruno Mars that, 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 that's not a, that's not a stroll in the park, you know, yeah. and especially when you have really, you know, I, one of my good friends who's become one of my good friends, his name is Josh Ellis. And he's one of the best gospel drummers that I've ever heard. His feel chops, everything is just absolutely that. So playing bass, which I think is the most important instrument on stage with, with a drummer of that caliber, you know, who's been on probably every gospel record <laughs> known to man, known to day. Like that was a, that was a, that was a mighty bold and brave move on me. And, you know, he and I have never had that conversation like, yo, was I okay? You know, <laughs> but, but um, he never, he never complained. So with that being said, I was able to do that. Um, and then I ended up getting some other bass gigs in town, you know, some session work to just play bass. And then there's other times where, you know, I took a touring country gig with a band called Thompson Square and I was out with them. But one of the requirements, you know, up front was like, hey, do you know how to run Ableton and do you play keys? And at the time I was like, I don't have Ableton and I don't have a touring keyboard. But I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I did the audition for it and I got it. And then I'm like, all right, well, I got to go get a Nord. So <laughs> went and got a Nord. <laughs> I'm playing I'm playing keys and and stuff in front of thousands of people or like, you know, I got a call for, to do asking if I played Dobro or lap steel for an artist named Tegan Marie at the Opry and at Old Red, which is a Blake Shelton's establishment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. So, you know, went and got a lap steel and, and figured it out. So I've been really lucky to play all of these different instruments in a professional capacity. I mean, from bass to keys to, to figuring out Ableton sets and, and planning out, live shows to play in lap steel for country artists or dobro or mandolin. So depending on who you ask in town, what I am, I'm either a producer or a songwriter or a bass player 
or oh yeah that's the mandolin player that i hired for for this or or that so but all of that has contributed to me making the records that i'm making and with him tonight's a perfect example i was uh i was lucky enough and blessed to play i played everything on that record except for the drums except oh. for uh with brett so i think that's also another really cool thing that people don't know because where i'm going and in the interviews and the people that are asking they're like oh sweet so did you get tom bukovic to play guitar on that i'm like oh well, I wish Tom Bukovac played on my song, but unfortunately, no, it's just me, <laughs> you know? So I think it's cool. And it's, um, I think it's really different from how things are done in Nashville and, and kind of the old way of doing things that the who's who is on your record. And, you know, this is going to be a hit because this guy played on the record, or this is going to be a hit because this song is being sang by this artist. You know, I think the thing that drives me is like, you know, I don't care who plays on the record. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's anyone else but me. You know, how does the song make me feel? What's it going to do with people? And so the response has just been overwhelming. It's been absolutely fantastic. So whatever, whatever's, whatever's happening, it's like, let's just, let's just keep, keep chasing that, keep chasing that down, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as for, like, so you've been able to play so many instruments. What, which one was the toughest for you to learn and figure out? You know, my approach to instruments, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. I think for me, I, so growing up listening, to, it all comes back full circle. Like growing up listening to the good alls, like Johnny Resnick, man, I loved how he wrote songs. And, you know, I was really always inspired by the alternate tunings, you know, so from an early age, I was always manipulating the guitar to work for me. You know, it's funny because now I always prefer to play in standard tuning, like guitars. I'm like, oh, if I, if I can't figure it out in standard tuning, like, you know, I'm going to have to have a different guitar that's just for this song touring live. And that just doesn't make sense. So I'm usually writing in standard tuning a lot. But for when I go to record, I'm always manipulating the instrument to get the sound that I'm after. So whether that's if I'm playing in C, you know, on the guitar, whether that's you know, tuning my B string half step up. So that's a C so I can get this finger, you know, loose or I can like reshape my chords so I can get more of an open sound or kind of a droney sound. Um, that's, that's what I'm after. So with that being said, I have done that a lot to the mandolin and the dobro, you know, depending if I'm playing like slide or if I'm adjusting the truss, truss rod on the next, so I have a little more action on the dobro, you know, if I'm in dad gad or if like, if I'm in C, then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be a half step down, but dad gad tune. Does that make sense? So I think that all of them, I probably is, it is probably a form of cheating. So mm-hmm. I have done a lot of my mandolin work and I've done a lot of my uh, dobro or dulcimer bazooki work in the tunings of the song. And, and when you kind of know what tuning you're in with the song and the relationship to where you are on the frets, it kind of helps you know with what you're after and and find that melody in the song that you're working on. So I'm a really big fan of melodies of the song, the vocal melody being played on the instruments, you know, because it's a subconscious thing in your mind when you're hearing the chorus go and you're hearing what the vocals are singing in the chorus. And then post-chorus, you hear a mandolin playing that melody. Like you're like, it's that, it's that poppy thing in your head. You're like, yes, this is catchy. Yes. I like this. I want to hear it on repeat. I want to do it. So with that being said, I think the mandolin has been the hardest thing for me to learn because I'm almost always manipulating it to work for me as opposed to 
playing like Ricky Skaggs, you know, yeah. exactly how it is. So, yeah. so, but no one hears how it looks, you know, that's what I always tell people. They're like, ah, oh, the guitar is ugly. Like, yeah, no one hears how it looks. They're like, oh, how are you going to play that live? I'm like, ah, oh, well, I'll hire someone that can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's funny. Um, expect them to play it exactly. No, you have to play it exactly how I played it. There, you played it in different tuning. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. Yeah. Oh, so obviously with the whole COVID thing, you haven't. There's not much live shows going on. Have you been experimenting with like the um, virtual shows at all, or are you pretty much just? Yes, sir. You know, it's funny you say that. I think I. Um, I discovered that pretty early on, like, I want to say it probably wasn't even March 17th. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I know that all these shows are canceled. Mm -hmm. All of this is not happening. It's probably going to be like this for a while. I think I was telling myself that early on in hopes that it wouldn't be as bad as it is or that it was going to get worse. Yeah. But this is the longest I've gone not playing a show. And there's a difference between playing a show and then doing a live stream, you know? And so I think early on in March and in, in April, I was doing a live stream every week. So I, I figured it out. You know, I think just now people are starting to realize like how valuable and important it is. I'm not going to lie. I haven't done one for about a month because I've been so busy trying to wrap up these singles and trying to wrap up these recordings that it's mm -hmm. the older I get, the more I realize the hard drive space that I have in my mind and the list of things that I have to do. Cause there's always something to do when you're an artist, you know, Yep. And when, when you're having that, I have not made the time to continue the live stream as of late, but that is something I'm getting back into. But man, I tell you what, that was one of the hardest things that I've had to learn how to do. And as studio and as tech savvy as I am, mm -hmm. I think even at the beginning of the March before, um, before, um, OBS had an update, you know, trying to figure out like, okay, how do I get my audio? How do I sing into my computer? And like, I'm running my Apollo, you know, my X 16 or whatever. And like, okay, well, how do I, how do I run through console? How do I do get those sounds? How do I get those inserts sounds through OBS? Oh, it's only doing the one, two. Okay. I've got to buy a program like loopback. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, should I run through logic? I'm like, well, the latency or the delay compensation for that, you know, trying to figure out all of that. I was running through all of my gear at first. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to put my SM7B through my Telefunken Pre and LA3A. It's going to sound amazing. And I was doing that, but then the setup work for it was so intense every week where I couldn't, I wasn't touching things because I'm like, oh, this sounds amazing. And I have an Apollo twin that I, <laughs> I use as a glorified monitor controller sure. to the big boy as a slave. And then one time I'm like, you know what? I've been such a stickler on using analog gear, but I'm like, I have this Apollo, I could literally set up the vocal chain, the guitar chain, and I could save it and just recall it every week. And don't you know, I just went and, and made a template for that and did it. And no one's been able to tell a difference. Actually, I'm still getting comments on there like, man, that LA3A sounds great on your voice. I'm like, I'm using plugins. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I will say though, like the whole setup to do live streams, like the only reason, only reason it's so easy for me right now is because I just set everything up and I leave it. Like, I don't even touch it. Yeah, like, I don't touch it. But it's like, and right now I've got it pretty minimal. Like, I've got a Zoom H6 as my interface. I wire it into the back of the computer. I turn it on. And because Zoom is pretty intuitive, it automatically recognizes all six channels. 
and it's just, it'll it. compress it down into i don't know if it's a mono channel or a stereo channel i haven't quite gone that deep to look i just know it yeah. puts everything into one channel it's like man if i was a musician musician and able to do live shows i'd be pretty set because it's like i could run a amp mic or a pickup mic or an amp mic or whatever i want to run and i'm yep. good you know absolutely we started doing the um like back when COVID first hit, uh, we started doing like virtual festivals and started hosting them okay. through Zoom. And like the issue was my audio sounded fine, but everybody else's audio was so hit or miss because they didn't have the setup or they just didn't, you know, know how it worked. And so like, I completely understand Yes, absolutely. where you're coming from on that one. And that it's, it's so funny because it's like... <laughs> you got the musicians that have never done a live stream before. And so like they they start off fine and they start playing. And then when they come to the end of the song, there's like this awkward pause. Cause they don't know how to transition out into like either the next song or, you know, they don't know how to transition without the audience's applause. And exactly. so like, I remember when I was first like doing these, they get done. And then there'd be like this 30 second, awkward pause like they're waiting in their head they're hearing this cheer or this applause that isn't there because you know so exactly it, it was it it was definitely a learning curve which was very interesting oh yeah it is it's absolutely a learning curve and I, it's it's funny because i i try to have it um set up a little you know and but you, you know you get done playing and like how you would typically it's so funny you say that because i felt that almost every time and so I would, you know, get done playing and I'd be like, thank you. And then I wouldn't hear anything back. And, I'm, and when you're triggered that that is the response to what you're doing, <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, well, you're playing music. So you deserve applause after when you don't hear anything back. And you're like, oh, well, it's, it's up to me to pat myself on the back and be like, all right, good job. Next song. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. So I've thought about different ways to, to do that. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, asking my wife, I'm like, hey, uh, call call your sister and and maybe you guys can come over and sit on the the church bench while I while I sing some songs you know like maybe I can do that but then I've realized I'm not as focused on trying to read the Facebook comments to see what people are requesting and yeah. that's been the crazier thing is to see and I realize there's such a delay and a and a, yeah. and a but to see that what people the songs people are requesting uh when I'm doing the live streams it's all either you original songs I wrote years ago that are only on YouTube that I've never actually recorded. Yeah. So that's been really encouraging to, to hear that. But I have been because, because I work on that alpaca farm uh, called mistletoe farms in Franklin, Tennessee, I've been able to do some live streams from there. So to take my Apollo and like, you know, my setup, which is kind of crazy because I'm setting up in the middle of a field surrounded by alpacas, you know, <laughs> playing 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 uh, my girl by the temptations it's been <laughs> it's been really awesome to to, to kind of to do that and to entertain and and to be able to be singing and playing in an alpaca comes up right here and like kisses you on the cheek it's 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 a surreal experience but yeah live streams have been they've been amazing it's something that i'd like to get back to doing there's just only so much you can do when you're when you're trying to release music in the world and when you're trying to you know make sure all of that's right it's like 
what I've realized is that there's seasons. It's like, okay, well, if you're not writing and if you're not creating, it's like you should be performing, you should be entertaining people because I think they go hand in hand, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're singing your songs or you're singing other people's songs, it's like music makes people feel. Yep. And that's all that's all people want to feel right now. So I I'm I'm pro cover, I'm pro I'm just pro music and, and playing. So I do love the live streams. Yeah. I mean I all right, so I, I wrote back when we first relaunched our website back in March, we started doing a blog and I wrote an article called how to maximize your covers. Basically with the intent of, with the intent of when you're going out and performing shows, you don't want to do, if you have the, if you have a catalog that can cover a full hour, two hour set and you're still playing 60% covers, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think there's a problem there, but so I wrote this article called how to maximize your covers. And it was like, okay, so just because, you know, every Led Zeppelin song or every, you know, like whatever the standards are and like, depending on what genre you're in, whatever those standards are, just because you know, them doesn't mean you have to play them when you're at, at a bar. you know, unless the situation calls for it and nobody's responding to your originals, then throw the book out the window and go for it. Like at the end of the day, it's all about making money. But I, I had this great, I had this grand theory that um, if you have like a unique, a cover that's a unique or B you put a unique twist on it. Those are the ones you need to be focusing on. Like do it as yourself, not so hundred percent. I think that is very sound and very valuable advice for a lot of people. I have learned very quickly in my life who I am and what I am musically. And though I can be a lot of different things, what I've realized is that people always love when I've been on to that. And it may be, you know, you go back and forth with this because I have seen some artists do songs way out of, so out of the box that even I'm confused by it. And that's not a shot. That's just like, man, like I can tell that you're trying to put your own spin on that song, but I don't necessarily agree that that was the direction because it's so left field that it's not even reminiscent of the song anymore. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, but no, yeah. but with, with, with that being said, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in making things your own and, you know, uh, it's it's always worked out really well for me, but I Tom, I think that's very sound advice. Yeah. Um, you're lagging out on me a little bit. You're lagging oh. out on me in the last little bit there. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I was just saying that's really really sound advice, just to to make things your own, but also hold respect with the song. I I learned uh, by <laughs> it's funny. Um, one of my best friends' uh, sister is uh, was married to Harlan Howard, and she, she always tells me, you know, you can cover songs, but never change the lyrics. She's like, that's the ultimate slap to the songwriter. Never mess with the lyrics, and so that's something that I try to try to abide by. Is like, you know, if I'm going to change a song or if I'm going to do it in a different way, it's like I'm going to keep the lyrics because that that's that's the songwriters. I don't want them turning over, you know, in yeah. their grave when when they're like, ah, oh, it was my song, you messed it up. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, you know, I definitely I agree with that. Like, it's not your song to go change 
the lyrics, you know. So I 100% agree in that that aspect. Yes, sir. Um, but one of the things that we like to do on Live and Amplified is pass on knowledge. We wanna we wanna help younger musicians get jumped off in the on the right foot. Like if they're just starting their musical journey, you know, we wanna try and help them as much as we can. So what advice? What advice do you have for uh, younger musicians that are maybe just getting started? or they're just trying to find their voice, you know, what kind of advice do you have for them? Man, you know what? I think the biggest thing that I have learned is perseverance, you know, to keep going. Cause you hear people tell you that you hear people say, Oh, you know, just keep writing, mm-hmm. you know, well, when you're hearing that after you just performed a song that you were writing this past week, when you've been a songwriter for five years, that's not necessarily the thing that you want to hear in the moment while yeah. it's happening. You know, it's like, oh, well, I've been writing, you know, it's like, well, maybe this, you know, cause that's when you get defeated and you think, well, you know, maybe it's just never going to be good enough, but you know, the beauty of it and the reality is of it when you do something long enough and when you do it at a certain level long enough, it becomes muscle memory for you. It becomes like you start to naturally do things in your songwriting that will translate to what successful songs are. And I've learned that in Nashville, not that I've come to Nashville and not that I'm like looking at everyone and like analyzing them and thinking, okay, I need to steal that or I need to steal that. Like when you're just doing things at a certain level and creating with the intent of knowing what to do, you start to do those things naturally. It's kind of like waking up and brushing your teeth in the morning. It's like, you know, or putting on your pants, you know, like the days that you don't put on your pants is a different day than normal. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's going to feel different. So when you're writing and you start to do your things, like, you know, I've realized in my, my over 12 years of, of writing songs at the level that I think that, and when I say level, I mean, with the dedication in my own soul mm-hmm. to it. You know, I'm right. I'm I'm as dedicated to songwriting and to writing the songs now that I was at 18. Am I better than when I was 18? Yeah, for sure. But are there songs that I wrote when I was 18 that I go back and listen to now? And I'm like, I need to cut this song for real now. Yeah, I wrote it 13 years ago, but it still stands. Like it's still it's still true. It's still relatable. It's like that. Those are the moments that are, I think, successful as a writer. When when you come to when you come to a town, you know, to to cut your teeth and you want to do the damn thing, and then you go back and you look at the things you've done before the town or before the people or before the co-writes and you know getting back because that's something I struggled with. Was everyone tells you you need to co-write? Collaboration is the biggest biggest plus bonus in creating music like collaborating with other people Mm -hmm. i 100% agree with that there have been songs that have turned out better than i could have ever imagined because it wasn't just relying on me you know Mm -hmm. and i've realized that was my big downfall as an artist before was always relying on myself and um not not being willing to look for others that's the key it's not being willing to let other people help you but it's the, the w- willing to look for other people and see the value in other people, see the value in, in the talent and they have, because there's always someone that that is going to look at something different than you. And you can apply that to everything in life. But that would be my biggest advice, perseverance 
and being willing to let other people be involved with what you're doing. Cause that's what, that's at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's relationships. You know, people see what you're doing. And when, when people like what someone is doing and it, mm. it could be music or anything, they want to be a part of it. You know, they want to be a part of it. They want to, they want to be a part of the story. You know, we we're all just looking for that connection. You know? Yeah. Can I get a connection? Absolutely. So keep going songwriters producers just keep going try things never never just never stop if you never stop you can't fail you know yeah absolutely absolutely um so kind of moving forward what's the plan obviously you mentioned that you're going to do the singles thing uh but what's the plan kind of moving forward man the plan moving forward is uh you know obviously to keep releasing music um you know keep doing awesome interviews like this continue to put out uh content whether that's videos live acoustic versions of the songs that i plan on them coming um the plan is to get back on the road as you know as soon as it's safe to do so you know whether whether that's in other countries whether that's australia lord willing i need to pet me some some kangaroos you know what i'm saying so i'd love to get over to australia as soon as it's safe to to play some shows and the rest of the world you know europe all of the above i just i can't wait to get back to traveling and, and playing music you know with some of my best friends so that's the plan to keep continuing to release continuing to stay sane you know mm -hmm. continuing to love to be loved um that's what's most important to me so i just want to keep uh making great music and working with great people and loving great people you know what i'm saying awesome yeah absolutely um, when there isn't a global pandemic, how often do you get to get out and play? Are you, are you said right now you're working on the alpaca farm. Are you a 100% full-time musician when you're able to get out and play and do shows and stuff like that? Yes, sir. It's, it's funny you say that. Yes. And that's something that I don't really say too much to too many people because the question is always how, but I was asking that question for a long time, but before the pandemic, I had just crossed um it was january january 19th i was my third year anniversary of not having any other income but music related whether that's doing session work producing touring um royalties all of the above like that mm -hmm. was that was my three-year mark so made it a little over three years until but you know i still look at it as you know i'm a full-time musician you know yeah. the the alpaca thing the alpaca thing is my love, you know, I mm. like, that's, that's my clarity and, and my sanity. I love them so much. And the people, Tom and Leanne, they have, they have become my family and just the, the souls of the alpacas, like it's a joy, you know, I do that. I do that for fun. You know, I'm really blessed that it, that it's become a, um, that it's become something that can put a little bit of food on the table. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that, but yes, sir, I, I've been doing music full time for, for three years, but you know, it took that long, you know, it took, and you know, I kind of go back and forth and think, well, I wonder if it could have happened a, a while back, but you know, I, I've got to be okay with where I'm at and mm -hmm. you can apply this to everything in life. You have to be okay with where you're at in the moment and just, you just keep growing and everyone's story is different. And that's the yep. beautiful part of it. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Um, so then the second question in there was how often do you get to get out and play? or as far as shows go? 
man. So I was probably playing before pandemic. I was kind of slowing down on the, uh, the playing out because I, since I do so many different things, it was really easy for me to do so many different things. You know, mm -hmm. it was really easy for me to go play in my friend's rock band playing bass for him, where it's just grunge rock, you know, mm -hmm. on at a Broadway bar from 10 to two, you know, just jamming out some ACDC and Nirvana for four hours, you know? Yeah. So it was really easy to do that, but then play an acoustic set on Wednesday at, you know, at the vibe bar down the street, you know, or, or do that. So I was, you know, I was playing three to five times a week, you know, whether that's covers or, or traveling, you know, one-off dates with, with friends of mine who I've written songs with, they're like, Hey, I need a guitar player for this date in Myrtle beach. Can you do it? We're taking the sprinter down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can do that. So a lot of that, I was probably playing out whew, sometimes five, six, seven times a week. And then, you know, the next week I'd be making a record for six days, hold up in the studio. So mm -hmm. it was really, it was really weird to go from putting on different hats, being like, okay, this week I have to shed all of these songs to learn a weekend gig down in Florida or, okay, next week oh, I'm making a record for seven days. So I think it was just kind of week by week, you know, figuring mm -hmm. out what what that looked like but i think moving forward post pandemic especially now artist wise i think i'm going to be transitioning and focus to uh mainly playing you know my my own shows you know mm -hmm. going back to that figuring that out so but i've loved playing for other people i absolutely believe it's made me the musician i am and i love that i can do that you know so so i think it just i think it comes down to opportunity and i think it's going to come down to you know, what kind of makes sense moving forward, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the, is the plan to stay in Nashville or are you just kind of open to going wherever the, the vibe takes you? Oh, yes, sir. Well, I, I was very into, you know, I always saw Nashville as end game. I always saw Nashville as like, you know, my, my, my safe haven and my home. And I still a hundred percent agree with that. I'm not going anywhere. Nashville is going to be home for a very long time. Mm -hmm. My wife is from there, so she's a unicorn. You know, that's what they call her in, yep. in town because if you're from Nashville, it's a very rare thing. So, yep. But she was born and raised in Franklin, Tennessee, and most of her extended family is there, and so, which has become my family. And so I, I just love it, and I don't plan on leaving those alpacas anytime soon. So I'm, 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 here. I'm here for good. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and it's funny because – you brought that up that she was born and raised in Nashville. And I was like, Oh, you don't ever hear, ever hear of that. You know, somebody born and raised in Nashville ever. and is still there, you know, ever. Exactly. I know. So, so I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky and, and she's lucky, but you know, I always tell people, they're like, man, was moving to Nashville worth it? I was like, well, listen, I met the love of my life there and I, I got married and that that's something as a musician, I never, man, I, if I'm being honest with you, I thought I was going to be single the rest of my life, just based on my profession and the yeah. stereotypes that are against me when it, in regards to love or, mm. you know, in regards to, you know, drinking drugs, sex, rock and roll, all of yep. that stuff. You know, I thought that no one's ever going to put up with my BS because you know, just the nature of what I do, yeah. but I met the love of my life and she's the best thing to ever happen to me. And so if moving to Nashville, just for that, absolutely worth it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you yeah. mentioned that you were an uh, army, you're an army kid growing up. So like, I, 
I, I've seen it a few different ways where some people that grew up in the army, they still like to continue moving around like that DNA of always just up and moving is always with them. But then you kind of get those other the, the people like yourself, like once they get to a place and it's like, okay, I actually like this place. I don't want to ever leave, you know? So. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I lived in so many States, you know, yeah. growing up and going to school, I was going to a different school every grade, you know, like it was just, it was that intense. So, but I think that's also made me the person that I am, you know, the ability to, cause I love traveling. Like yeah. I love having a home and a base, you know, that I can, I can be out of, but like, you know, if I, if I could travel 300 days a year, I, I would, because I just love it. I love going around different cities, feeling like I'm a part of what's going on in the culture. I just, I'm a big fan of it. So yeah, I was in, my parents were in the air force and they, they probably loved moving around too, you know, but now that I'm, now that I'm a little older and, you know, I'm a little, a little wiser and settling down, I, uh, I, I like having Nashville as a home. It's great. So I've really enjoyed that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so as we cut, first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Cause I know you're there to see family and friends and all that fun stuff. Um, thank you. But I really appreciate your time. I want to wrap this up with one final question for you. Absolutely. Why music? And I need to ask or tell you with an answer that I have never had that conversation with myself. Okay. I have never, I have never to this day, I have never sat down and said, all right, look, lovely. You're going to pick the most narcissistic career in the world and you're going to be an artist. <laughs> like I have never sat down and said that. It's, it's funny. I still haven't had the talk with myself like, Hey, you, you're going to be an artist, you know, it's just because that's just what I am. Yeah. You know, I just absolutely am that a hundred percent can't, can't split it any other ways. Can't think of doing anything else. Don't can't think of even contemplating anything else. So it's, it's a, uh, I've not had that conversation. You so just had to that answer conversation you why music. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, why not music? You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, but yeah, so that's, that's the beautiful part. I've never been like, okay, well, how do I, how do I continue to do music? It's like, no, there's no, how do you continue to do music? You just continue to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing with me is, is realizing that it's not, it's not what I do, but it's who I am, you know? And so mm -hmm. it is in an aspect, the, the career is what you do, you know, mm -hmm. but like, I, it's just something that I live and breathe like 24 seven, you know, I'm, yep. I'm always writing songs in my head. I mean, heck, I wrote a song the other day in the shower and I was, I was thinking about it so much and the phrasing lyrics, how I wanted it to be that I literally jumped out of the shower still naked to grab my phone while the shower was going. So I could voice memo something while I'm dripping wet all over my <laughs> hardwood floor in my bedroom, you know, like that's nuts. Normal people don't do that. <laughs> and I realized <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, I'm a, I am, I'm a record. So why not music? Yeah. I, I mean, you said you'd never had the conversation with yourself and it's like, I don't think you have to have that conversation with yourself. You know, why, why music? It's just exactly. what you are, you know, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. So, you know, I, I, yeah, you've had that conversation. You don't have to have that conversation with yourself because you already know. So, yeah. 
because I kind of already did just yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. But once again, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Where can everybody find your new music, find you online, follow you, you know, all that fun stuff. Oh man. I love that. Well, my at handles for most things are at Caleb lovely. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I think that's where I spend most of my time, you know, posting, but Spotify, 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 obviously they rule the world. Apple Music, Pandora, Amazon Music, anywhere you can stream music, you're going to be able to find with him tonight. And it is a summer jam. So don't sleep on it because it's not sleeping on you. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you can find all that YouTube, all of the above. If Twitter, TikTok, I'm there. TikTok, I've been posting a lot of guitar videos. I've been really catering to that, that guitar demographic because I am absolutely a vintage guitar connoisseur of sorts. So I'm all about that posting gear and, and talking about things. But yeah, you can find me on everything social media at Caleb Lovely. Awesome. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you guys later. Man, thank you so much, guys. Yep.